become the faithful ones to adore and lift up and praise the name above all names, the one who is worthy of all of the praise and all of the glory. Will you join me in worshiping him this morning? We worship you, Lord. We worship you.
on this Christmas morning. How many people in this room, in this year, are in need of a miracle right now? Can I just tell you, miracles start in his presence. Come on, where do miracles start? In his presence. And where are you right now? In his presence. Whether you're watching at home, online, or you're in the building, you are in his presence. And that's where miracles begin. And man, as we were just singing this song, uh, Waymaker, I I was just fixed on those words Even when I don't see it, you are working. Man, sometimes, I love what Pastor Gary says all the time. Sometimes it might not look like, it might not look like God's working, but that's because he's got to move around the furniture in the universe to get to your problem. He is working on your behalf right now. And maybe this week, Christmas week, you, your family is in need of a miracle. 
I truly do believe right now in this moment can be the genesis, the starting point where God begins to show you. He's going to show himself faithful to you. And your miracle is coming in Jesus' name as you stand in his presence today. In his presence, if you're comfortable, if you're willing, would you just lift your hands right there where you're at? And for this quick moment, would you just begin to worship him in your own words? God, it was so good. You're so faithful to me. You're so faithful to us, God. You never fail. You don't know what defeat is. You are a miracle-working God. You're a way-making God. You're a God that even when it doesn't seem like it, even when it doesn't look like it, even when it doesn't feel like it, we know that you are working. And we know that you're working on our behalf because you only have good things for us. Your plan is to prosper us and not to harm us. It's to give us a hope and a future. So God, right now, we stand in your presence in faith that you are working on our behalf, God. Because of Jesus, because for unto us, like Isaiah said, unto us a child is born. Because Jesus came, we can access your presence anywhere, anytime. And right now in your presence, we just lean into you. God, today speak to us. God, we're expecting to hear from your word. We're expecting to hear from you. Many of us, we want a word from you. And then there's some of us who need a word from you today, God. Would you speak to us? God, we love you, we glorify you, we give you praise here in your presence today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, can we give him praise one more time, church? God, you're good. We worship you. Woo, well, look at you. Merry Christmas, Bridge Church. You look phenomenal. Even those of you online, just in faith, I'm going to say, you look phenomenal. We're so excited that you chose to join us this morning for our Christmas service. Um, if you are one of the families that have been taking advantage of our family room, you're more than welcome to do that again this morning. The family room is open. But hey, if you want to stay here with your family, with your kids, enjoy service with us. That is totally fine as well. Hey, you guys look fantastic. Why don't you turn to somebody, say Merry Christmas from a distance, wave at them as you find your seat. Good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for Christmas Sunday at the Bridge. We're excited to get to spend this special day with you and your family. We're looking ahead to a great week and finishing 2020 strong. Here's a look at what's coming up over the next few days at the Bridge. We hope you'll make your plans to be with us. If you're new to the Bridge Church, we want to do our best to help you get connected, find your place in the church family. That's why we created something called Connecting Point. Connecting Point is where you will learn more about the history, the heart, and the mission of the Bridge Church. And it'll help you find your place in the family. Our next Connecting Point is happening on Sunday, January 3rd, during the 11.30 a.m. service. We would love to meet you there, and we simply ask that you would sign up by going to the Bridge Church website and clicking on the Connect tab 
or you can go to the Bridge Church app and click on the Connect tab. By signing up, this will help us plan for you. And if you have children, Bridge Kids will be happening during the 11.30 a.m. service to serve them and you as well. We hope you'll join us at Connecting Point. You and your family are invited to join us this Thursday for our Christmas Eve candlelight services at 4 and 5.30 p.m. Come and celebrate the true meaning of Christmas with your church family as we reflect on the coming of Christ in story and song. This will be an unforgettable evening, and we hope that you will make your plans to join us for Christmas Eve at the Bridge. Bridge Youth, what an amazing year we have had. This truly has been a year of breakthrough for uh, so many amazing testimonies, amazing stories of salvation and uh, prayers answered and God just coming through in so many phenomenal ways. 2020 really has been an amazing year where God did amazing things. So to every single student who was a part of the Bridge Youth family, from services to events to connect groups to building relationships to all the online stuff we did, just want to say thank you for being a part of the community. To our team who you lead and serve so well, thank you for investing. And to the entire Bridge Church family, thank you for being a community that loves, believes in, and invests in the next generation. You are phenomenal. We are so excited for what God has in 2021. We have so many big plans. We know that God has phenomenal things on the way. So just one more time, wanted to say this year, Bridge Youth, we love you. If you're new to the church, we want to help you find your place and get connected. Just go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a Connect card with details to help you get connected. If you don't yet have the Bridge app, just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. This is the best way to stay updated with everything happening in church life. Thanks again for being in church with us today. We hope that you and your family have a very Merry Christmas. Church, will you stand and sing joy to the world with us?
morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. How's everybody doing today? You look a lot better than that. Everybody doing all right this morning? Nice. Merry Christmas. It's good to be in church with you this morning. Thank you so much for spending Christmas Sunday with us here at the bridge with your church family. If you're new to the church, we're so glad that you're here today. Maybe you dropped in because it's Christmas Sunday. and Just to take the time to be here this morning, it means a lot to us. So thank you so much for being here today. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And we're really, really grateful that we get to spend Christmas Sunday with you. So thanks so much for being here today. Today on Christmas Sunday, we're going to conclude the series that we've been in this month called Heaven and Nature Sing. And what we've been doing is we've been looking and reflecting back upon some of the great songs and Christmas carols that speak of the truth of God's word that tells us about the coming of Christ. And we're excited to dive further into this. Pastor Ann spoke earlier this month, Pastor Gary last week, as we look back on some of our favorite songs and Christmas carols. But more than looking back at the carols, we want to look at the scriptural truths which are given to us and presented through these carols. So we don't want to just focus on the song. We want to focus on the message. And today, I have the privilege of getting to share with you around this song that our team just led us in, which is Joy to the World. And before we go forward, I think we should just give our team a hand. Give our worship team a big hand. They were awesome today. And I know they've put in a lot of extra work this month as we've been in this series. So thank you to our worship team for leading us so well. Today, I want to tell you a little bit more about the background of this song, Joy to the World. And then we're going to look at the scriptural truths that are revealed in the words to the song. But first and foremost, you need to know that the song, Joy to the World, was written by Isaac Watts. And it was written in 1719. It was written over 300 years ago. Now, there's so many people, whether you're in church, you're out of church, you're a believer, a non-believer. When it comes to Christmas time, we can go to the store, we can turn on the radio, we can turn on a playlist, whatever it might be. And that Christmas playlist will include the song, Joy to the World. And whether you're a believer again or a non-believer, we sing these words, but maybe don't fully understand the message behind the song. Isaac Watt, he wrote this song over 300 years ago, and to think that here we are all these years later, that song has been recorded by literally hundreds of artists, sang by thousands of congregations, but it was written, written by one man with one message, and it was simply to tell the truth of the joy that was revealed by Christ's coming to earth. And I want to talk about that joy today, and it's really interesting because when you actually look back at that song, you know, Isaac Watt, he could have written the song in a lot of different ways. He could have said, forgiveness to the world, salvation to the world, grace to the world, mercy to the world. He could have written so many different words, but instead he chose the word joy because it reflects the message in Luke chapter 2. But I think one of the reasons why he also chose the, the word joy is because, of course, the coming of Christ represents forgiveness and salvation and grace and mercy and kindness and acceptance and all of these wonderful things that are wrapped up in the gift that is Christ. But to receive that gift into our life brings about such an amazing gift of joy that there's nothing else like it. Only Christ can bring us that kind of joy. So Isaac Watts chose that word in his song. And maybe you didn't know this. I didn't know this, actually, as I was preparing for this message today. But this song was actually composed by George Friedrich uh, Handel, who's the one who gave us Handel's Messiah, where we get the Hallelujah Chorus. This is one of the most famous songs of the church, not just a Christmas carol, but a hymn of the church. And in fact, Isaac Watt, he wrote over 750 church hymns throughout the course of his life. So when we sing that song today, it's not just a Christmas carol that speaks of a story that some do or don't believe in. In fact, it's the message of hope. It's the message of joy that's given to us from Scripture. And to look more specifically at it, I want to look today at Luke 
chapter 2. And Pastor Ann and Pastor Gary referred to this passage of Scripture over the last two weeks, but it's really important that we look at it again to understand why joy is such a big part of that message. It says in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them or round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Verse 10, my favorite verse in this passage. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Everybody say joy. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, not some, not to a few, but to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Like I said, verse 10 right there is my favorite verse in that passage. And over the last few years, I've actually had a couple of opportunities to talk around that verse and around a little phrase that's found inside of that verse that speaks so much to me. It says there that when the angel appeared to the shepherds, they said, Behold, we bring you good tidings of great joy. You know that word tidings? It's not a word we use very often. In fact, we probably, most of us, don't use that word whatsoever. And the only time that we hear it is right here in the Christmas story. But with the angel's announcement and declaration that there was coming a Christ, coming the Messiah, he said, behold, I bring you good tidings. I want to talk about that word tidings for just a moment before we move forward because it's so significant to this announcement. That word good tidings is two words in our English, but it's one compound word in the original Greek. It's the word, i got to look at it again because it's a confusing, a very confusing word. It's the word euangelizo. It's you for good, angelizo for message. So good message. And what we have to understand is that it's also the Greek word from which we get our English word evangelism or evangelize. So the Christian message of evangelism is taking the good message, the good word, or as we like to call it, the gospel, to those who do not know it. What we have to understand is that when the angels arrived there to bring this announcement to the shepherds, he said, behold, I bring you the gospel. I bring you the good news. I bring you the good message. In fact, the very best message that you could possibly hear in your lifetime. It's a good message. It's the gospel, but it's more than that. It's good tidings of great Joy. Now what's cool is we just talked about that word euangelizo in the Greek. Right here when it says great joy, the word great in the original Greek is the word megas, from where we get our word mega. In other words, I bring you the gospel, the good news, the good message of mega joy, which is for all people. Here's what we need to understand. This announcement, this proclamation from the angels to these shepherds saying it wasn't just for them, but it was for everybody, this was a message of mega joy. Why? Because through Christ, we can experience a joy that cannot be found anywhere else in our life. And when we look at the Christmas message, we have to understand that this announcement, this declaration, this proclamation, this promise of what was about to happen was an invitation for us to receive joy that we cannot find or experience anywhere else. I want to tell you today, there is nothing you can do in life. There's nothing you can achieve in life. There is no gratification that you can find in life that will compete with the mega joy that God wants to make available to you through Christ our Savior. 
Come on. And the Christmas message is the gospel message. It's the good message, the good news that mega joy is available to us because of Christ's arrival. So we understand good tidings of great joy. The tidings were good and the joy was great. What a beautiful way that that's written in scripture. But before we go any further and look at the song or any more scriptures, I just have to ask the question, do we truly understand what joy is? Do we understand what joy is? We think we might have a good idea of what joy is. And when we talk about joy being gifted to us or made available to us at Christmas time, that might sound nice, but we, do we truly appreciate and understand what, dro- what joy really is? See, I think as human beings, not just as Christians, but just as people in general, I think we oftentimes don't have a full understanding of joy. And sometimes I think we tend to confuse joy for happiness. I think sometimes we confuse joy for happiness because happiness is simply an emotion that we experience in life, much like many of our other emotions. Now think about this for a moment. Happiness is an emotion that reflects the sum of my external circumstances. Happiness is an emotion that reflects the sum of my external circumstances. Let me demonstrate. So maybe somebody comes up to you or you come up to me and you ask the question, how's it going? How are you doing? How's life? How are things? Sometimes we ask those questions casually. We don't give much thought to the response. We just say something, you know, that's kind of token in response. But other times, have you ever noticed when you ask somebody the question, how you doing? How are things going? When they sit there and think about it for a moment, they kind of weigh the the circumstances of life before they give you an answer to that question. And I think sometimes if we're honest with ourselves and we think about what's happened in our world, we will think about our life. We will think about our livelihood, we'll think about our careers, we'll think about our relationships, our marriage, our kids, our family, our economic or financial outlook. We'll think think about things that are happening in the world around us. And after we've weighed all of those circumstances, we will come to the conclusion that I am happy or I'm sad or I'm melancholy or I'm one emotion or another. Because here's the thing. Sometimes happiness or sadness or melancholy or disappointment or fearful or depressed can be a result of external circumstances, like happiness or sadness. But joy is an internal condition that is unaffected by the circumstances that are happening in my life. And we have to understand that Christ gives us this hope and this promise of joy. And especially here at Christmas time, when that gift is extended to us, we have to be able to open it up and experience it for all that it is worth. And what's cool here about this idea of joy is that it's actually explained quite well in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5 that if we are in Christ and the Spirit of God lives right here, there are byproducts or fruits that he wants to grow in our life, one of which is Joy. If I am in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. There is a joy that is available to me that lives on the inside of me that is not affected by the things that are happening around me. Listen, that is good news in 2020, y'all. Because we live in a world right now where people are so plagued by the things that are going on around them. But guess what? When Christ, when I am in Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in here, the stuff that's happening out here won't affect what's going on on the inside because joy is available to me. And a lot of you might hear that and you say, well, that, that sounds really good in theory, but how do I go about practicing that? What does that look like in my everyday life? Jesus walked this out perfectly and modeled this for us perfectly. In fact, the writer of Hebrews explains it to us like this in Hebrews 12 and verse 2. He says that we should be looking unto Jesus. Other translations say, fix our eyes 
on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, everybody say joy, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured the cross. He despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's the picture you need to see. Imagine Jesus going to the cross. Pastor Gary said this so well last week. You can't take the story of Christmas and the manger and separate it from the cross. And you can't take the cross and separate it from the empty tomb because all three pieces work together to give us the gospel and bring us our salvation. But imagine Jesus going to the cross and feeling real human emotion. We see the Gethsemane story and what we know is that Jesus felt all the real emotions that you and I feel. And he comes to the Father literally with bleeding sweat, sweating blood, whichever the better way of saying that is. And crying out to God and saying, I'm enduring all of these emotions. I'm expecting what's to come. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be difficult. My emotions in these circumstances are telling me one thing. And if there's another way to do this, I'm all ears. But not my will, your will be done. And what we see is that this scripture tells us that Jesus, considering all the circumstances, considering all of emotions, and actually considering the shame that was attached to a sinner's cross, he rejected all of that. He threw all that aside, and for the joy that was set before him, he endured it for you and for me. That means that even though Jesus knew there were things happening around him and things that were about to happen to him, there was a joy that was driving him. There was a joy that was compelling him. There was a joy that was calling him forward that was greater than the things that were going on around him. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus persevered and made it through so that I could find salvation. And so we understand that Jesus was compelled by joy and it allowed him to persevere through difficult circumstances happening. Can I tell you something? We can do it too. You can persevere through the things that are happening around you, through the stuff that's going on in the world around you right now. Why? Because of the joy that lives inside of you. So with all of that in mind, understanding the message that the angels brought to these shepherds, understanding what joy is, I want to quickly look at the three verses of this song, and I want to unpack the scriptural truths that are being presented here by Isaac Watts. Watch this. The first verse that we see here, in joy to the world. It says, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive. Everybody say receive. Receive. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Maybe the most important, important line in the whole song. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. The line that we get the title of the series from. If you're taking notes, here's the first thought that I want to give you from these verses. Here's the very first thing. Number one, Receive this joy. Receive this joy. That sounds really simple, and to a lot of you, you're like, "Uh, okay, I think I did a long time ago when I prayed that prayer, when I made that decision, when I invited God in. I think I received it then. The question I would have for you right now is this. Are you still walking in joy today? Because it's up to us to receive the joy that God is offering us. You know, a gift is not fully appreciated until it is fully embraced. A gift is not fully appreciated until it is fully embraced. I think most of you, most of you right there in your pocket or some of you ladies in your purses, you have a smartphone that is at your disposal right now wherever you're at. And what's interesting about this is that I have an iPhone that's somewhere down there or in the office or something. And what I'm finding almost every week is that there are things that my phone can do that I did not know it could do. 
How many of you, it's like, you're continually on this journey of like, oh my gosh, I didn't know my phone could do that. What's interesting too is that every time you do a new software update to your phone, you don't get a new phone or get new hardware, but because there's new software updates to it, suddenly your phone has new functions that you didn't even know about. But here's what's crazy to me, because I'm not a techie guy. I kind of use my phone for the things that I need, and I don't always fully discover everything that my phone can do. In fact, I'm kind of a sucker, because just like a lot of you, I get a new one every two years because Apple tells me that I need a new one. So I take the bait, I go and get a new phone. And what's funny about it is I would be willing to bet that in most of the phones that I've ever had this far in my life, I never fully accessed everything that they could do for me. Now, with that said, I want to talk to you a little bit about receiving what God is offering. Is it possible that you hear the idea of joy and you say, yeah, that's great, Zach, I'm a Christian, I have an idea of what joy is, but is it possible that right now, at this moment in time and at this Christmas season, you're not walking in the completeness, the fullness of the joy that God is offering and extending to you? I love that thought of let earth receive her king. A gift can only be fully appreciated when it's fully embraced, but in order to receive something, we have to make room to receive it. I watched this football show not long ago where I saw these clips of these punt returners that were out there on the field. What was happening was there were two of them on each side of the field and the punter was kicking balls to them. And so what would happen was the one punt returner would be standing there and he would catch one football and then he would catch the other football. And while holding the two footballs, the punter would continue to kick more. And they were having a contest to see who could catch the most balls while holding others in their hands. And what was funny was by the very end, it was kind of finished when somebody was holding so many footballs they could not carry anymore that when they went to catch one more, they didn't just drop the one that was coming, they dropped all of the other ones that they were holding in their hand. And as I was watching that, I realized that you can't fully embrace a gift unless you make room to receive it. Let me illustrate it this way. Yesterday morning, my wife was getting our kids ready, getting them dressed because she was going to my parents' house to make cookies. They were going to make Christmas cookies. And so my daughter, who is now seven years old, <laughs> she can get herself dressed. Mom hands her the clothes. She runs over to her room, starts getting herself dressed. But my son, who was four, on the other hand, mama gives him his clothes. He runs off to his room and starts doing his own thing. I'm doing something else. I'm not paying attention to what's going on. Ashley says, hey, can you just check on the kids, make sure that they're actually getting dressed? I go in their bedroom, and as soon as I walk in, the very first thing I see is, oh, my gosh, this room is an unmitigated disaster. It looks like eight, like not one bomb. It looks like three bombs went off in this room. It looks like you corralled every single toy that you have, dumped it out on the floor, and decided let's just play with them all at one time. And I walked in, and I was, to my surprise, my daughter was doing a good job. She was getting herself dressed. But my son, he had no clothes on. He's laying on the floor. He's not getting dressed. He's playing with as many toys as he can at one time. And he's totally lost sight of the fact that he was sent to his room to do one thing and one thing only, and that was get dressed. My wife even gave him his clothes. And so I go in there and I say, what's going on? Dude, seriously, you're not dressed yet? Not long after that, here comes my wife. And Ashley says, what's going on in here? She says, you're not dressed? And he says, I forgot to get dressed. And then she said, well, where are your clothes? And he goes, I lost them. If you had seen their room, this would not surprise you. Because it was a disaster. Now, here's the point. If I need to make room in my hands to receive something that you're handing to me so that I can possess it, I think that the same principle applies to our hearts. 
Because when I watched my son yesterday, it really occurred to me that the main objective, the one thing, the main thing he was being asked to do was just to get dressed. He was even given the one thing he needed to accomplish that, his clothing. But there were so many other things happening that distracted him that it was almost like he totally lost his attention. He didn't think about what it was that he was supposed to be doing, and everything else became more important than the main thing. I think that 2020 has done that to a lot of us. I think that this year there's a lot of us that we don't have enough room in our heart to receive all of the joy that God is extending to us because the cares of this world, the uncertainties of the future, the financial outlook and prospectus might have you a bit scared. You're worried about your health. You're worried about your safety. Maybe it's taken a toll on relationships. Maybe it's taken a toll on your marriage. I can tell you firsthand, distance learning ain't fun. And maybe you look at the world around you right now and your heart is so consumed with everything that's going on around you that there's no room in your heart to embrace everything that God is extending you in this gift of joy that he's made available. And just like the song says, when I look at this thought of letting earth receive her king, us receiving everything that God's made available to us, Can I tell you something? One of the most important things that a lot of us need to do today is we need to make some room for the joy of the Lord to move into our life. I didn't have time yesterday to clean up my kid's room before I could get them dressed because we were on a short timeline. But can I just be honest with you? Maybe one of the greatest ways that you can experience the joy of the Lord this Christmas season is to declutter your heart of all the things that are weighing you down and leaving no room for him to move in. Ladies, you know how good it feels when you declutter your house. Guys, when you declutter the garage, you're like, don't make me think about that, Zach. You look around and you say, wow, there's more room here than I thought. There's more room here than I knew. A lot of us, we need to go home this week and on Christmas week, when we think about that invitation of joy, that gift of joy that's made available to us, we need to declutter the space of our heart and give room for God to come in and fill our lives with joy. Because guess what? This is a year where we need joy about as much as we need anything else. And God's made it available to us. That's the gospel message. That's the Christmas message. Good tidings of mega joy for all people, for you, for me, for all of us. Now, we said that we need to receive this joy, but guess what? Joy is not something that we're supposed to be selfish with. Let's move on to the next thing. Look at the very next verse. Second verse of the song says, Joy to the earth, or joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Joy. And if you take those two words or, or that phrase, repeat, sounding, it gives us the word resounding. And that's the second thing that I want to say to you today. First, we need to receive. We need to make room to receive the joy that God is offering. But here's the th- second thing we need to do with joy this Christmas season. Our lives need to resound with joy. If we are the people of God, our lives need to resound with joy. Can I tell you something? The joy that God has given you is great for you, but it ain't just for you. And every single one of us, whether we came in here today recognizing that we need to make room or not, we can think of people in our lives who need to hear the message of joy that is available to them through Jesus Christ. And as Christians, it is our calling that our lives would echo and reciprocate the joy that's been given to us. 
I'll say that again. As believers, we are called to echo and repeat, to reciprocate the sound of joy in and through our lives. You know, John, in his gospel, he recorded the words of Jesus, and Jesus talked about this so poignantly. This is what he said in John 15 and verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. So watch this echo. Watch this reciprocation that's taking place. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then finally, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. The very next verse in this passage, it goes on, and Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another. When I was a kid in Sunday school, I learned a song that said, This is my commandment, that you love one another, that your joy may be full. For those of us who have experienced the joy of God and we've opened that gift and we've received it into our life, it is our calling, it is our responsibility that our lives, our lifestyles, everything that's happening in and around us would resound, would echo, would repeat, would reciprocate with joy because God has been so incredibly good to us. I don't know about you, but when I think about everything that God has done for me, how could I not tell somebody else about how good God has been? Especially when I recognize that they need that same joy so badly, so badly in their lives. And Jesus' words here, they're a picture of reciprocity or reciprocation. God reveals his joy through Jesus. Jesus gives that joy to us, and we are now called to give Christ's joy to other people. You know, I thought about this this week with our Adopt-A-Child program, because two weeks ago, we gave everybody in our church the opportunity to sponsor a child, and I believe that there were more people who wanted to do this than we had opportunities to do so. But as we, you know, receive names for, for kids who might need Christmas gifts this year, as always, you guys just generously responded, and very, very quickly, all of those kids whose names were submitted were adopted by you guys, and gifts were purchased for them. And this last Thursday, families came in to receive those gifts because we gave the gifts to the families so that the families could give those gifts to their kids. Now, I tell you that very intentionally because, again, this joy isn't just for me, it's for other people. I remember a few years ago, my wife and I in the church that we were in when we met, we had a, a kind of an ongoing Christmas project that we would do every year to help some families in need in our church and in our community. And one year at the beginning of this thing, we decided that we were going to film some of the gifts being given away. And we kind of had nothing but good intentions in how we were going to do this, but we discovered something really interesting. We went to give away these gifts, and we had some teams that went to different locations, and with them, we took or we sent somebody that could operate a camera to film the giving away of these gifts. But rather than giving the gifts to the parents to give to their kids, we made the mistake of walking in with somebody dressed up as Santa Claus, and it was the church who gave the kids the gift and almost cut the parents out of the process. And at the end, it wasn't our intention to make them feel bad, but they were, number one, embarrassed to be filmed, and number two, the parents felt terrible because they weren't the ones who were giving the gifts to their kids. And when we kind of all came together at the end of it, our staff and a lot of our volunteers, we said, you know, in the future, we need to make a couple of changes. We said, number one, let's not go in and film it. We were filming it because we wanted to show it as a testimony to our church. Hey, look what you guys were a part of. And the heart behind it was great. But what ended up happening is we walked in and unknowingly made ourselves look like the heroes when at the end of the day, God had been good to us and it was simply our calling to give that joy away and get out of the way. And one of the things, I, the reason I'm saying that to you today is because, yes, we are to receive the joy that God has given us, but at the end of the day, we're not called to be hoarders of God's joy. We are called to give away what God has given to us. 
Let our lives resound with joy. Let that sound of what God has done for us echo off of our lives, off of our lips, off of our hands, so that we can give that same joy away. Why? Because God's been good to us, and it ain't just about me. Let our lives resound with joy. It was so cool to see families come in and pick up gifts this week because for all of you who purchase gifts, you might not have been there in that moment. You might not get any, any real credit with your name and lights, but I know the biggest reason why you did it was because you know you have that joy inside. God's been good to me. How could I not reciprocate and do something for somebody else? Because it ain't just about me. Let my life resound with joy. God has given me joy. Let that same joy be reflected in my life. You know, 1 John, I just read a, a moment to you from John's gospel, but later on in 1 John chapter 1, John actually wrote about this even more. And he said, the life that was manifested and we have seen and bear witness, talking about Jesus, and we declare to you that eternal life was with the Father and was manifested to us. Jesus came to earth. We saw him. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, all of us being in fellowship with one another, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, why? That your joy may be full. In other words, if you've received the joy of God, if you've received the love of God, it's not just about you receiving it for yourself, but the best part is taking that thing that you have received and giving it away to somebody else. Let our lives resound with the joy that God has given us. And finally, that leads us to the last verse of this song. It says, he rules the world with truth and grace, with truth and and grace. You know, throughout the course of this year, we've talked about truth and grace, I think, a couple of different times in our Sunday messages. He rules the world with truth and grace. I think about those words and what they mean for me. I'm so grateful for God's truth because his truth has allowed me to walk on the right path, to walk in his ways. And I'm also grateful for God's grace because God's grace saved me, accepted me just as I was so that I could discover the truth of his word and his ways. Anybody else grateful for the truth and the grace of God? When I think about that, I'm reminded, I've heard it said that grace is the anesthesia that goes before the scalpel of truth. I need to be walking in God's truth, but I'm grateful that he gave me his grace to allow me to walk into it slowly so that it wouldn't hurt me. I wouldn't walk away. His grace accepted me, and then I discovered his truth that he wanted me to walk in. I'm grateful for his grace, and I'm grateful for his truth that's changed my life. It says it makes the nations prove, or in other words, the nations will show the joy and the glory of God. Next line, the glories of his righteousness. Think about this for a moment. Righteous God in heaven, perfect God in heaven, humbled himself by sending his perfection, Jesus, to our sinful earth to take my place on a sinner's cross. The idea that God's righteousness would be made available to me, that blows my mind. I don't understand it. His glorious righteousness that existed in heaven before the outset of time, that he would make that available to me through Jesus. And not only that, but he would humble himself. Jesus would humble himself to make that righteousness available to me. I can't fathom it. And that's the message of Christmas. And finally, the wonders of his love. The wonders of his love. You know, a lot of us, when we hear about God, we think about big God creator in the sky who's distant and far off. But the wonder of his love is that big creator God could humble himself in such a small way to care about me and meet me individually. I don't understand it. 
I can't fathom it, that he would love me that much. The wonder of that kind of love. When I think about his truth, when I think about his grace, when I think about his righteousness, when I think about his love, I only have one response, and that's the third thought. Number three, I can only rejoice. I can only rejoice and say, thank you, God, that you've saved me. Thank you, God, that you've directed me, that you've corrected me, that you've brought your ways and your word into my life. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your truth. I'm so grateful. God, I rejoice in my salvation. I rejoice in you. You are my joy. You are my strength. You are my peace. Everything I have, God, is from you, and I choose to rejoice. You know, when Isaac Watts wrote this song over 300 years ago, he wrote that from joy to the world, he was mainly influenced from Psalm 98. And as I read through Psalm 98, I was fascinated at some of the things that he said because there's that response of rejoicing for everything that God has done for us and made available to us. I just want to read you very quickly four verses from Psalm 98 that help us to understand this. The psalmist said, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. He's victorious. Verse 2, the Lord has made known his salvation. We have experienced his salvation. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And then finally, verse 4, my favorite part. Shout joyfully with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Shout joyfully and rejoice. Shout joyfully and rejoice. Those two words are actually rejoice and joyfully. They come from the same Hebrew word. They get translated differently in English, and it's simply the word ranon. And so that means that joy is available here, but when I rejoice, it's a reaction to the joy that lives on the inside of me. And I think about all that God has done for me, and my only response can be to praise him and to thank him and to worship him for the fact that he saved me when I was unworthy. I don't know about you, but I look back and I recognize I was unworthy of my salvation. And when God found me, I was a mess. He took everything that was perfect about himself and made it available to me in the middle of my messy imperfection. What an amazing God to do something like that, the wonder of his love, the glory of his righteousness. How could I not rejoice? You know, in closing today, I was searching very hard over the last couple days to figure out the best way to wrap up this message. At the beginning of the message, I had jotted down a bunch of scriptures that I kind of knew off the top of my head that talk about joy all throughout the Bible. And there was one specific scripture that I wrote down, but I didn't really put it in my notes in my outline anywhere. And actually, this morning I got up and I was just reading through a couple other scriptures, and it hit me so strongly how important this verse was. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we see that the Israelites, this is all the way back in the Old Testament prophets, in Nehemiah chapter 8, what we see is that the Israelites have been in captivity with Babylon, many of them far from their homeland, some they're still in their homeland. But at this point, their city is in ruins. It's basically been torn down to rubble. The temple has been destroyed. But God had made a promise to his people that in 70 years' time, he would restore that city to them and bring them home. So Nehemiah and some other people had returned to the temple and returned to the city. They began to rebuild the ruins. Scripture tells us that the people had gathered around and they were watching what Nehemiah was doing. And Ezra the scribe shows up and he opens the Old Testament scrolls and begins to read the law of God to the people. 
And as he read the law of God to the people, they were slowly reminded of everything they had been taught when they were growing up. They were reminded of God's promises to them and how God had said in 70 years, I will restore this city to you and you will be able to rebuild it. And there they were 70 years later standing in the very city that God had promised to give back to them. And as Ezra read from the Old Testament law and the law of Moses, Scripture says that the people began to weep because they recognized that God keeps his promises. And they all began to rejoice and praise God. And Ezra looked at the people and he closed the scrolls. And he said, go back and celebrate with your families. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. When I read that passage of scripture this morning, I was reminded that for so many of us, we feel like we're looking around at the rubble of life in 2020. Maybe you feel like everything around you has totally collapsed and you're so uncertain about the future and the idea of having to rebuild this thing seems so impossible. But guess what? You don't have to do it on your own because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And just like the Old Testament Israelites, I'm here to tell you today that our God is a God who keeps his promises. Our God is a God who is faithful and if he's made a promise to you, he's gonna see you through the thing that you're facing right now and there will come a day where the things that feel as though they are crumbled will be rebuilt. But the way we get from here to there is understanding, recognizing, embracing the joy that he's made available to us. And today if you're hurting, today if you're overwhelmed, Today, if you feel flooded by the circumstances of life, can I just encourage you to make room and receive this joy he wants to give you so that everything that's going on around you cannot shake the solid thing that lives on the inside. And that's the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Hey, don't let Christmas go by this year being overwhelmed, being cluttered with the cares of life. Don't let Christmas go by this year without stopping and making room to receive and to resound and to rejoice because the joy of the Lord is our strength and it's been made available to us. And that's the gospel message of Christmas. I want to pray for you this morning and I want to ask if everybody would just stand to your feet very quickly. Just bow your heads right there where you're at. If you're comfortable just lifting your hands, let's just receive what God wants to give us this year. Father, I thank you for the joy that you have promised us, the joy that you have given and gifted us. Right now, Father, we make individual decisions to make room in our lives, to make room in our hearts for what you want to bring into our lives. God, if there are things that are cluttering our life, cluttering cluttering our heart and our mind, we just lay all of those things aside. We even kick out those things that don't need to be there so that you can come in and your joy can live on the inside of us. We invite you in anew today, Father, to fill us with your joy that joy that cannot be shaken by the things that are going on around us. We invite that, we invite you to come and live and dwell on the inside of us. God, this Christmas season, as crazy as this year has been, we do not allow the circumstances around us to define our existence, but we recognize that you are our joy, you are our strength, and we will stand upon you in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just one more moment, I just want to ask Everybody, where you're at when it comes to a relationship with God. Maybe you came in here this Christmas season. As we talk about God, as we talk about Christ, maybe you feel like you're just going through the motions at Christmas time this year. Can I tell you today that the Christmas story, the gospel, the good message, the good news of Christmas is that joy is available to you. And his name is Jesus. Scripture says that you and I, we've been separated from God because of our sin. 
But because of this Jesus, the perfect one, the Son of God, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God that God sent to this earth, he died on the cross for our sins when we could not save ourselves, bridging that gap between us and God. And if we would put our faith in him and in that sacrifice, we could be saved. The beauty of the story is that he didn't stop there because after he, he, he was crucified, three days later, God raised him from the dead, conquering death and hell and the grave for me and for you so that we would not have to face it in eternity. If you've never put your faith in Christ today, there is no better time of the year to do it than right here on Christmas Sunday and experience all the fullness of joy that God wants to make available to you. I want to ask everybody if you just repeat a prayer right after me. It's not the words that are the most important thing, but the commitment in your heart. Just wrap your heart around these words and make a decision today to invite Christ into your life. Everybody write out loud. Just say these words. Say, Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross for me. I put my faith in your sacrifice. I believe that you are the Son of God who died for my sins, who was raised back to life so that I can have new life. I want to walk with you. I want to learn your ways from this day forward throughout my life into eternity. I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Today, if you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time or maybe you recommitted your life to him, that's the best decision that you could ever make to put your faith in Christ and start that journey. We just want to help you get started in that journey of faith. And there's a free gift, a simple gift that we want to give you to get started. Or after our service, we're going to have some prayer teams that will be available. They're going to be standing right up here against these two side walls down here on the floor. If you just walk up to one of these teams, let them know you made a decision to follow Christ and you want to get the book. We have a book called The Next Seven Days we'd love to put in your hand to help you start that walk with God. And they'll give it to you. If you need to go quickly right after this service, you can stop by The Next Seven Days desk. It's right between the glass doors before you exit the building. Not only that, but if you need special prayer today, that's why our prayer teams are here. Please take advantage of that. Go see them. Let them stand with you, agree with you, and pray for you right there in the middle of your need. We're so glad that people made that decision to follow Christ today. So as a family, can we just put our hands together and welcome people into God's family today? Let's give Pastor Zach a hand for that message this morning. Thank you, Zach. Hey, it's great to have everybody in church today. And those of you who've joined us online, thank you so much. Two things I want to share just before we go today. This is Christmas week. I know all of you have got a lot of plans about what's going to happen this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the next weekend. Let me tell you what's going on here at the bridge. First of all, this coming Thursday, we're having our annual Christmas Eve services. These are really great services, great times. It's a real intimate atmosphere where we gather together and read through the Christmas story and have a lot of music involved. It's really a great time. It's one of the highlights of the year. This year, it happens on Thursday, this, this week, Christmas Eve, 4 o'clock and 5.30. Whether you want to call it afternoon or evening, however you see it, 4 p.m., and then again at 5.30 p.m., we have two options. They will be available online as well. We invite you to bring your family if possible. Worship God together. Let's enjoy the Christmas season. That's this Thursday, Christmas, Christmas Eve. And then next Sunday morning, the two days after Christmas, we have Thursday night, then Christmas on Friday, Saturday. Sunday morning, we're going to have one service this year on the Sunday after Christmas. So next Sunday, one service only. It will also be available online. 
But instead of a 9.30 or an 11.30 service, we're going to compromise and do a 10.30 service next Sunday morning. So one service, 10.30 next Sunday morning. We will have child care available. It'll be a great time together. And we've got a special guest who's going to be sharing next Sunday morning. And I told first service, so I'll tell you too. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he dresses much more fashionably than Santa Claus. So uh, that's the only hint, I'm, at least he thinks he does anyway. Uh, the only hint I'm going to give you. So we're going to have a great time next Sunday morning. I promise you, you will enjoy next Sunday morning service. God bless you. Last thing before we go, uh, this is the time of service where we always talk about our giving. And we don't spend a lot of time with this except to thank you so much for your faithfulness as you give. As always, as you leave today, there are giving stations on each side of the exit doors here in the auditorium. There's also a giving station out in the children's check-in area. But you know, in Christmas season, when we stop and think about how God loved us and gave, we also remember Him and we give. A few days ago, someone in our church contacted our offices and had a question. And it really got my attention because this gentleman has a major business deal which he's closing December 31st, which is the last day of the year. And he said, I'm getting this uh, extra money on December 31st, and I'm so excited because I'm going to have an opportunity to give above and beyond what I normally do. But his question was this. Not only was he happy and excited to give, he was being diligent in his giving. And he said, how do I make sure this goes into my giving record this year for my tax records and you know it was diligence he was looking at and I, I appreciate that I think that's good business but here's my point we need to be diligent in our giving but we also need to be excited and cheerful and as Zach said today joyful in our giving second Corinthians 9 says God loves a cheerful giver the word in the original writings there for cheerful literally means hilarious God loves people who give with hilarious hearts. So God bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness. We love you. Don't forget Christmas Eve services, different service time for one service next Sunday morning. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Have a great week.